Welcome to the 80th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, we will take our weekly look at Major League Baseball and go over some random assorted important news from the world of sports. Let's jump right in with a look at Major League Baseball, starting with the National League East. In the NL East, we have the Atlanta Braves at the top at 80 and 71. They are now only two games ahead of the Philadelphia Phillies, although again, uh, as I said last week, it has plateaued in terms of uh, up and down movement between the teams, but the games have moved significantly. The game is back in the standings. Uh, the Phillies are 79 and 74, which is two games back of that Atlanta record, although three back in the loss column, which is pretty important. Then you have the Mets, who are 73 and 79, seven and a half games back of the division, on the verge of being eliminated pretty, pretty soon. Uh, probably a win or two by the Braves this weekend against the Padres would put the nail in that coffin. And uh, the Mets play the Brewers, so I don't think they're going to be doing much better. Uh, basically, this division is down to the Braves and the Phillies. Phillies have a little bit of an easier schedule, but the Braves do have uh, some opportunities to get wins. Uh, and look, they're a good enough team that they can, you know, scratch out some wins. I mean, they're a good team, but we'll have to see what happens there with that race. Uh, we'll see if Bryce Harper can carry his team to the playoffs, and maybe if he does, he can win the MVP. Might be contingent upon that, especially given the fact that Fernando Tatis has failed to carry his team to the postseason as they're on the brink of elimination, but that's a different division. I'll stay on topic here. Uh, but, look, it's the typical Mets. I mean, look, I, I don't want to be that person, but the season's over for them. Uh, I think it's pretty simple. They really had a bad season. Uh, they got Javi Baez in the middle of the year to try to rejuvenate what they had, but the DeGrom injury probably was the start of the end, the beginning of the end, I should say, for them. Uh, I think you could argue that maybe it was over before it even started and we kind of got lost in it thinking that Noah Syndergaard actually had a chance to come back this season, which obviously he still hasn't. Uh, made some relief starts, but I think at this point they're probably not going to start him just because there's nothing for him to risk running out there for. They're not going to make the playoffs anyway. Uh, but e even with all that, I still think DeGrom gave them like 10 free wins at the beginning of the year, and here they are, seven ga six games under 500. That's still not good enough uh, for what they have. They brought in Francisco Lindor to a roster that was a barely under 500 roster to begin with. So theoretically, no matter how injured they got, this should be a team that still hovered around 500. And sure, they're only six games below it, but uh, there's no hope of them ending the season above 500, I would argue. And there's probably no hope of them ending at 500 or even within a game or two. So it's just a disappointing season for the Mets, especially because they also had their division lead for over 100 days in the season. There was a point where actually they led their division for the most amount of days out of any team in the entire MLB, more than teams like the Red Sox, more than even the White Sox, who have already clinched their division. Uh, but it's really sad to see for the Mets, but I um, guess it's down to the Braves and the Phillies. Yep, and it looks like uh, the team, the one of those two teams has to win their division, but you'll get to that later to make the playoffs. Let's move on to the NL Central. Uh, and I will like to, I would like to add, we now know which teams are finally eliminated officially, so uh, goodbye to the Marlins and goodbye to the Nationals. No more talking about ending the season, what, when did I do that? Like two months ago that I was already ending the Orioles and the Diamondbacks and the, Pi and the Pirates and the Rangers? Well, now we can officially do it. Goodbye Marlins, goodbye Nationals. Uh, pretty predictable. Both teams traded away pretty much everybody at the trade deadline. 
uh, didn't trade for anybody, unlike the Braves, the Phillies, and the Mets, who really did a lot of work there. Uh, for the Mets, it didn't work out. But, yeah, we can move on to the NL Central now, where the Milwaukee Brewers have clinched their playoff berth, but still not the division, because the St. Louis Cardinals have won 12 in a row. The Brewers have lost five in a row. Uh, and that means, and by the way, that includes a sweep of the Brewers by the Cardinals. Uh, so the Cardinals are now only seven and a half games back. I say only. Same division same, same division lead that uh, the Mets are currently f- trying to cut down. So I say only for one team, and I say season over for another. So that's not necessarily a great comparison, but I think it's a little different just how they're playing because the Mets are 2-8 and eight in their last 10, whereas the Cardinals have won 12 in a row. So not really much of a comparison there. And the schedule to end the season for the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Brewers, and the Cubs again. Uh, I'd say, and by the way, that included a doubleheader today, which, you know, we do our things going into going into the end of Thursday so that it's even across the league. But as you can, ex- as you would expect, the Cardinals did win game one of that doubleheader and game two is still pending. But uh, so that that's now 13 games and only a seven game deficit. But the Cardinals are really playing well. Uh, despite how bad their bullpen has been, they really haven't found their closer and kept one at all. But, you know, the lineup is producing. The starters have been good. Even the guys they traded for who were having bad seasons, Jay Happ and, and John Lester, are playing better, pitching better for the Cardinals. Uh, and in the end, it's just enough for them to be able to get on this winning streak and really get it going towards the end of the season. On the other side of that, the Cincinnati Reds are now 13 games back of the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, they've lost two in a row. They've lost three of their, or they've lost seven of their last ten, I should say. Uh, look, the, the Cardinals have taken over the wild card race, and I think there's no, I think there's nothing else to say there. Uh, the Phillies are actually the closest team now at this point. Not even the Reds, not the Padres. After for a while, it looked like the race was between the Reds and the Padres. They're still neck and neck with each other. They're only a half game apart, but it's five and a half games out of the second wild card spot with this Cardinals winning streak that's going on. It's crazy. Uh, but it looks like the Cardinals have, a, I mean, I would say, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I would say we have the five teams in the National League that are going to make the playoffs. I think it's pretty obvious, uh, barring a monumental collapse by the Cardinals, and with that schedule you just talked about, it's not going to happen. Although I will say the one exception to that is that Phillies do have a chance to overtake the Braves for that division lead. So I guess we have the six teams who will be who will be who will make up the five. We just don't know which of the six uh, will lose out. I think it's only between the Braves and the Phillies at this point, though. Just as you said, because that's scheduled for the Cardinals. But in the rest of the division, the Cubs eliminated. The Pirates probably were eliminated a long time ago, but we might as well go through it anyway. At the end of spring training, they were eliminated. Okay, well that that's a little rude to them, but uh, yeah, I mean, look, they're they're gone. Uh, although I don't know if they'll be joining the 100 loss club this year. It's possible they avoid it because they're 57 and 95. So, uh, all they need to do is go, what, five and five for the rest of the season? Six and four. Well, yeah, six and four. Okay. Yeah. Six and four to avoid 100 losses on the dot. Uh, but 62 and 100 would be their number if they went five and five and look, they're five and five in their last 10. So, uh, maybe they can do it. Who knows? Um, although maybe they might be playing some teams that are a little more desperate for the playoffs, although we know they're not playing the, the Cardinals, so uh, I don't know who they're playing, but yeah, those two teams are done, and look, as we said, there's really six teams here. I mean, there are three teams that are not eliminated, but that are pretty much just the way they've been trending 
down for the count, to be quite honest, them being the Padres, the Mets, and the Reds, who are third place in every single division. Uh, obviously, well, actually, I won't say that. Let's move on to the NL West before I say it. Uh, what I was going to say is, obviously, you have the Giants and the Dodgers fighting it out for first place in the West. Uh, the Giants at 99-54, and 54, the Dodgers at 98-55. and 55. Really ridiculous records. I mean, both of them are 18 games up almost on Atlanta, if they were to, if you talk about the fight for home for home field advantage from division leader to the next, uh, the Brewers are even what eight games back of the Giants right now. So there's not. I mean, look, these two teams are fighting it out for really. I would say who might run the table all the way to the World Series. I think it would be very hard for either team to go through the wild card game and have to not necessarily waste a pitcher, but uh, have an extra pitcher go there disjoint their rotation, then be on the road for for the majority of the series against the other team here. Uh, and I think it would be especially detrimental to the Giants because, you know, the Dodgers do have a deep, a really, really deep rotation uh, and a lot of experience on that rotation too. But I, I still think it's possible that that the Dodgers really could lose their season just because of the disjointedness of their, of their rotation. Although we've actually seen the Nationals go through the wild card game, get their lineup disjointed, and then still go on the road and beat the Dodgers themselves. So not saying that it's out of the possibility, uh, not saying that it's out of the question. I would be very, very shocked if the Cardinals were the team to do that. Um, as I'm already calling it, a four, I'm pretty much saying it's a conclusion already that uh, the whoever are out of the Dodgers and the Giants don't win the division will win that wild card game. But that's not even a done deal yet either. Uh, so... We'll see what happens in in that race and that in that aspect of it. But the Dodgers are one game back of the Giants after going eight and two in their last ten, and the Giants going six and four in their last ten. The Padres are now six games back of the St. Louis Cardinals for that second wild card spot, with about eight nine games remaining. I think for every team, maybe ten. Uh, so they have pretty much no chance. And as we said, the Cardinals' schedule is remarkably easy because they play the Cubs so many times. Uh, while the Padres have to play the Dodgers and the Giants in their last two series of the year. So basically, they're screwed, I think is the best way to put it. They have to make up six games when I think you could say that they're already slotted in to lose six games at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, we all thought the Padres would be a key factor in the uh, playoff race and in the National League and in the National League West. Little did we know that how well or poorly they play at the end of the year will determine the division winner between the Giants and the Dodgers with them sitting... 21 and a half games out of first place. Unfathomable. And I will also say that, uh, you know, the Padres, they had some early season hope. They had the division lead for a little bit. Uh, and then I think everybody was shocked when the Giants took that division lead from them. And then we really didn't know what was going on because somehow there was a change of, of division leads and it wasn't from the Dodgers to somebody or or somebody to the Dodgers. Uh, it was very strange, and then I think we realized over the year that in the era of home run hitting, a team that's going to set their their franchise single-season home run record is the best team in baseball by record because they're doing best what the league has currently trended to do, regardless of if it's from one guy or not, because it's not for them. Talk about the Giants. But yeah, the Giants with that with the, with all the home runs they're hitting, it, it really does make sense. I mean, people are looking for the explanation of how this team is that good. There it is. It's home runs. Uh, in the home run in the home runner strikeout league, they're hitting a lot of them. The Yankees hit a lot of them too, but they're not even but they don't have more than the Giants as much as you want to talk about the formidable lineup that they have. 
They don't have the production on paper that the Giants do. And the rest of the league, has, you could say the same for them because the Giants lead the league in home runs. Uh, not even the Dodgers' star-powered lineup can do that. So, uh, but yeah, going back to that whole Padres point, 3-7 and seven in their last 10, I feel like I've said that a thousand times in the last five weeks. I don't think they've had any stretch where they've been better than five and five or six and four, uh, maybe in the last five, six weeks. So it's, it's very interesting that, uh, this is what they're going through, but they just don't have it right now. I think it's the simplest way to put it. They really just don't have what it takes to be a contending playoff team. Uh, and you can talk about all the time how this team went from a very, very bad team to a pretty good one all of a sudden, but that rise was meteoric, so you can predict a drop immediately after that, and that drop for them is a drop out of relevancy and towards five a 500 record, and I mean, look, the team just didn't produce as much. Uh, all their bullpen guys were insane last year. They had no injuries last year. This year, they have to deal with some injuries. Their bullpen isn't insane because people have actually played against them before, their little one-pitch pitchers who only throw sliders can now get... <laughs> people can get hits off of them after seeing them a few times. Uh, and the effect is kind of worn off. And I just think that even while he's still playing at an MVP level, there is no more this crazy fear of Fernando Tatis by the end of the season that, especially with that shoulder injury and how he's been kind of limited, I think they've just lost a few things there. And I think Machado hasn't had his best season. He's had a great season, but by his standards, not not his best. And, uh, I mean, Hosmer was so bad that they were thinking about trading for a first baseman to make sure that he wasn't playing anymore. They were thinking about trading him. Apparently, when they were trying to get Max Scherzer, he was going to be a part of that package. So, they've had a lot of issues all year, and I think we could have seen it brewing, and I think they saw it. But uh, I think, really, their season ended at the trade deadline when the Dodgers got Max Scherzer and Trey Turner because not only did they shut down their plan of getting Max Scherzer, but the Dodgers severely upgraded their roster to a point where the Padres could not recover from it. And if you had told me at any point that the Cardinals would win 13 games in a row towards the end of the season, I would say, well, then the Padres aren't getting the wild card because the Dodgers or the Giants are going to get the other one. Uh, so I, I think with that, with the, in that context, you can tell this season just was not made for them. Uh, and they didn't have the talent to overpower that the way the baseball gods wanted the season to turn out, for lack of a better word. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that uh, that trade deadline maybe even had a mental effect on the team, the, the not, not getting Scherzer and seeing the Dodgers get Scherzer, and then seeing the Giants get Chris Bryant, which we shouldn't underestimate. That's helped the, that's helped the Giants win a couple, a couple, at least a couple games, and with that one-game one, one game difference between being the home field and the wild card, uh, playing the wild card round, it could be a big trade. Um, well, I'll say that Lamont Wade has been their clutch, true. their most clutch hitter, and he doesn't even get talked about at all. So, I mean, you can you can look at a lot of guys on that roster, and as we said, there is no they don't have a single guy over thirty home runs, and here they are leading the league in home runs. That I mean, their franchise record comes from a season where they had Barry Bonds hit seventy three home runs, and a teammate of his hit I think thirty five. So, when you compare that to a team whose team leader has twenty six and was out for like fifty games this year, that being Brandon Belt. I mean, it's just balanced across the team. It's not just Chris Bryant, and obviously... I think they have it, 10 guys who have more than 10 home runs or something. Yeah. And by the way, your favorite stat bears it out. You've talked about how the Giants are doing it. They're number three in Major League Baseball behind only the Dodgers and the Astros in run differential. So that that's all from their home run power, like you've said. And yeah, they've won a lot of close games, as we know, and they've been uh, 
The Dodgers had their struggles in extra innings over earlier, so naturally most of their wins are by a lot of runs, and that run differential is a little bit higher because of that. The Giants have really found a way to scrape out close games at the, uh, and all, I mean, all kinds of crazy. Well, ways. I think the craziest stat that I've heard is the fact that they actually win twenty five percent of the games where they enter the eighth inning losing, which is That's it does not sound like that much, but when you actually sit down and think about it, I think my first reaction to it was okay, but then I sat down with it and then I realized if they played a four game series and they were losing into the eighth inning every single game, they would still find a way to win a game in that series, and really. That is the difference between between a team one team and the next is the ability to just scrape out a game here and there when you can. And I mean, you'd be good if you had that at like twenty percent. That would be a really good mark. Twenty five percent is pretty insane. Uh, and that mark has just allowed them. I mean, that's probably let's say they've been down forty times heading into the eighth inning this year. That's ten games that they've gotten that maybe other teams would probably get six, yep. five. Yep. So. Uh, that's made the difference in their season, and really, I mean, that's why you can kind of ignore the run differential for them. But uh, look, the Giants and the Dodgers have been playing well all season. I think whoever wins the division is going to get to the World Series, to be quite honest. Uh, I think the Brewers are the are the most formidable enemy to either of them until you get to the World Series, and then it's a whole different conversation. All right, do you want to talk about the National League uh, wildcard race here? Well, we've covered it a little bit, but uh, yeah, I'll just run it down. I'll run down the standings really quickly. The Dodgers are 14 and a half games up on the Cardinals. I think they have clinched that first wild card spot that whoever loses that division uh, does get that. The Cardinals are four and a half up on the Phillies, five and a half up on the Reds, six on the Padres, and ten on the Mets. Uh, and, you know, we talked about how they've gotten there, so uh, I'll just leave it at that. Okay, let's move over to the American League. In the American League East, the Tampa Bay Rays are at 94 and 59. They have officially clinched a playoff spot, although. With all those great teams behind them in their division, they still actually haven't clinched uh, the division itself. The Red Sox are six games back of them. The Yankees are eight games back, and the Blue Jays are nine games back. The Red Sox with an 88-65 and 65 record, the Yankees with an 86-67 and 67 record, and the Blue Jays with an 85-68 and 68 record. Uh, the Blue Jays have cooled down severely and are now only 5-5 five and five over their last 10 games. The Red Sox have won 7 in a row, and the Yankees are 7-3 and three in their last 10, including winning 3 in a row, heading into their weekend series against their arch-rival, the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox are now in first in the wild card, uh, with the Yankees 2 back, and Toronto 1 back of the Yankees for a second playoff spot. Uh, it really looks like it will come down to those three AL East teams. Uh, to decide who will be in that wild card in that first and second wild card spot, uh, that Yankees Red Sox wild card game might happen. Uh, although I will say both fan bases hoping that it doesn't because it would mean that uh, one of them swept this weekend most likely, and the other one would be out of the playoffs entirely. Just looking on that outlook, in my opinion. Uh, but we'll have to see what happens there. There that that weekend series will be very very interesting. Uh, and you know there there have been a lot of shifts. I I think. Oddly enough, none of those series this year have really felt too close. I feel like every single series has been a sweep one way or the other. Somehow we've ended up almost at an even record between them, but uh, the the Red Sox owned the Yankees at the beginning of the season. I think they won seven in a row, or at least six in a row. I know they swept the first two. I don't know if one of them was four games or not. But then the Yankees swept the very next series they played, so uh, it's kind of been going back and forth like that all year, and we'll, we'll just have to see what happens with it this time. Uh, maybe it won't be a sweep. Maybe it will. Who knows? Maybe the Yankees will win it. Maybe the Red Sox will win it. But 
that will really go a long way in terms of deciding this. I don't know how many times the Blue Jays play either of those teams to end the season, but if they do, that will those series will also be very, very important. Uh, but all these teams have a very good chance of making the playoffs just because they really only have to beat one of the other teams. Uh, but at the same time, they really all have the potential to fall off. This is not like the Dodgers where they have that spot locked up, or even like the Cardinals where that lead is four and a half games. In the AL, there are five teams within four within four games of the Yankees. Uh, the Red Sox, two games above, uh, but all the way down to the A's, four games down of the Yankees. There's a lot of te- there are a lot of teams that can move up into that spot. Yeah, Blue Jays uh, play Minnesota, then three games against the against the Yankees, and wrap up with Baltimore. A pretty favorable schedule, but uh, I think when you consider it that way, the Yankees also. I mean, other than the Red Sox series they do play the Blue Jays. So uh, that's pretty tough for them. I don't. I wonder who they play in that final series. Uh, but, I mean, look, I don't think the schedule matters because the Blue Jays had an easier schedule and weren't able to capitalize on it recently. Uh, so, and they've now fallen behind because of that. But uh, The Yankees, by the way, wrap up with the Tampa Bay Rays who will be resting. But interesting, they might try to knock the Yankees out. A little interesting three-game series to end the year. The Rays hate the Yankees. They will try to knock them out. Uh, they hate everything about the Yankees. That's been a rivalry that's been brewing, and the only reason why it isn't, uh, it hasn't come to the forefront like the Dodgers and the Padres kind of randomly did at the beginning of the year uh, is just because the Red Sox and Yankees have still been both successful, and it's such a huge rivalry that there's no way that the Yankees would ever take the Rays seriously enough, <laughs> to be quite honest. Um, but those teams don't like each other very much. I will say that there's been a lot of history with them recently. They've hit each other on purpose a lot. Uh, they've had so, they had a great playoff series last year, which is something that uh, you can't say about the Yankees and the Red Sox in the past few years. So we'll have to see what happens there. But well, since we're talking about the team's remaining schedule, I think you'll agree that uh, the one with the most favorable schedule after their weekend series with the Yankees this weekend, the Red Sox play three in Baltimore and three in Washington against the Nationals. They play an interleague series to end the season? It's very strange. Why Why would you have that? You want to have them playing their division rivals. Yes. They basically spend their uh, they spend uh, the rest of the season down in the in the D.C. metro area, D.C., Baltimore. I, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that there's an interleague matchup to end the season. I mean, that's, that's cool. I don't understand why there's such this big divide with the interleague games. However... At the end of the season, you would like to see every single team playing someone within their division, although it doesn't work out that way because there are five teams in each division. But I think it should be... wasn't going to be the top team and had Baltimore playing interleague or something like that. I I think that... I honestly just think that it should be you have four four teams playing each other and then the rest of the three, I guess... Actually, the way the math works, though, somebody has to be playing interleague, I guess, now that I think about it. it, 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 Everybody could have predicted at the beginning that Baltimore would be the team probably out of the race. And also could have predicted that... Well, I mean, actually, the Red Sox did have the worst record of the league last year, so I won't say that. But uh, so even if the Red Sox probably could have predicted the Nationals, actually. I, I think you would argue that one of those teams had to be good True. just because the Red Sox were bound for a bounce back just because of their brand and who they are and who they have as their manager and in their front office and around the team. And then the Nationals just because, well, they won the World Series two years ago. So yeah. one of those teams was probably going to be good, so I, I do agree with you. I, I, I That... Series should have probably been Baltimore against Arizona or Colorado. Something. And, but the Red Sox, clearly, if they don't get swept by the Yankees, they have a very favorable path. All right, let's move on to the American League Central. The first division where we have a winner already. The Chicago White Sox have clinched the AL West 
for the first, or the AL West, the AL Central, <laughs> for the first time since 2008. Uh, they are just four and six in their last ten games, but after a game one win uh, or a winning a game one of a doubleheader uh, at Cleveland, bunch of home runs. Tim Anderson had two, one to lead off the game, and then one later in the game. Uh, Chicago became that first team to clinch their division. Funny enough, they're going to end up with the worst record of a division leader outside of the Atlanta Braves, mostly in all likelihood, but yet still they clinch first because, well, Cleveland and Detroit are not exactly the second-place teams like the Dodgers or the Phillies uh, that you see in some other divisions, or obviously the Red Sox. Uh, But 10.5 games up on Cleveland, 11.5 up on Detroit. Uh, Every single team in the Central has been eliminated at this point because their only hope was to win the division because if you look at it, Blue Jays have pretty much the same record as the White Sox do, and they're already a game out. The Yankees actually have the exact same record that the White Sox do. So the elimination of the of Cleveland from the divisional race was also the elimination of them from the wildcard race. Uh, so, so long, AL Central. Hello, White Sox in the playoffs. We'll see how that goes. A very young team in the playoffs. Uh, first really real playoffs, obviously, last year. No atmosphere with you know, a game in Oakland against the A's that uh, or a, a three-game series in Oakland, but every single game on the road. Uh, not the most ideal situation, and this year, actually an upgraded roster. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, I don't necessarily have the faith in the White Sox that I did in the middle of the season where I said that they would be playing the Dodgers in the World Series. I definitely don't think of them like that, but we, we can talk about our World Series predictions when the playoffs start. Uh, but... Yeah, there's nothing else to talk about in the Central. The, the White Sox don't even have to play well to clinch this division. I'd say there's one thing to watch in the Central. Can the Detroit Tigers finish at 500? No. Be... <laughs> They're only four games back at 500. It'd be an amazing accomplishment for that team. They have some amazing luck against great teams. Actually, they have a winning record against. They have a winning record against the Brewers. They have a winning record against the Rays. They have a winning record against. Uh, they've been pretty much even with the White Sox all year. Uh, I'll just say when you come, when it gets to the end of the season and people are playing for home field they're not going to be able to beat those teams unless they're playing the teams in their division who are already lowly who are already pretty pretty down on themselves uh if they're if if you tell me that the rest of their season is against the twins and the india and cleveland then uh maybe they will well i'll tell you they've got a series against kansas city this weekend a makeup game against the white Sox who've clinched three games against minnesota and then the end of the season at chicago who will be resting their pitching staff to get ready for a playoff run ah uh... They probably still won't get to 500. Just Well, they could get to 500, but they won't be above 500. I don't think there's any chance that they go 8-2 and two to end the season. Uh, but just because they do play... Look, the White Sox can rest whoever they want. They'll still win two out of four games against the Tigers. I, I can guarantee that. Especially because that would mean that the Tigers would still have to go undefeated in every other game. Uh, but yeah, let's move on from the AL Central. All right, let's go over to the West. Uh, in the West, we have the Houston Astros in first... Still actually fighting with the Rays for home for home field uh, at 91-62. and 62, Best run differential in the league outside of the L.A. Dodgers. Uh, it's a really interesting team that you have because, I mean, if you look at last year, they finished under 500. Uh, they're really just such a weird team. They finished under 500, and everybody said, oh, okay, they'll get out of the playoffs immediately. They actually made it all the way to the ALCS, and then they were down 3 nothing, and everybody said, oh, great, so the Astros played for two series and then just mailed it in at the end. Then they won three in a row and almost made it to the World Series with it for a rematch against the Dodgers. Didn't end up happening. Could happen this year, though, I will say. Uh, but 
They did not make that rematch happen. However, they ended up... Uh, they, they brought that series all the way back to a Game 7, and there was enough to be said there that everybody knew they were going to be carrying a lot of momentum, regardless of that 29-31 and 31 under 500 record uh, in last year's in last year's season, shortened season. Uh, look, they have an experienced roster. Uh, they'll be clinching soon. I can almost guarantee it because they're 7-3 and three in their last 10. So are the Mariners. The Mariners won five in a row. That's the only thing holding the Astros from clinching any earlier. I believe their magic number is two or three before a weekend series with the A's uh, this weekend. But the Mariners are seven back. The A's are nine back. Uh, the Mariners at 84 and 69. The A's at 82 and 71. And I'll run down that with the wild card standings. Uh, after a four-game losing streak and only five and five in their last ten, the A's are now four games back of the Yankees for the second wild card spot. The Mariners are two games back even after winning five in a row because the Yankees have won three in a row and the Red Sox have won seven in a row. Then you have the Blue Jays who have lost two in a row, five and five in their last ten overall, one game back of the Yankees for that second wild card spot. And then, as I said, the Red Sox two games up with that seven-game winning streak that they're on right now. Uh, it's an interesting race. Again, I said five teams within four games, and the Red Sox are a little ahead of the Yankees. So if you include the Yankees' four teams fighting for that final spot, if you just pretended that the Red Sox already had it locked up, which I don't think they do. So it is really five teams fighting for two, but four fighting for one sounds a lot more interesting, so I'll go with that. All right, well, that wraps up our look at Major League Baseball for this week. Let's turn our attention to random, assorted, important news from the world of sports. Well, the Panthers beat the Texans 24-9 on Thursday Night Football to improve to 3-0 on the year, but the win was less important than the loss they suffered during the game. Christian McCaffrey pulled his hamstring and will be out for, the report is, of course, the most specific timeline of all time, a few weeks, whatever that means. Uh, fantasy owners and Panthers fans alike are very, very mad about that one. Uh, I, luckily enough, have did not get, well, maybe not lucky, but... Uh, in every draft I did, I was not the number one overall pick, so I don't have to be mad about the next few weeks, although I will say I would like McCaffrey in a few leagues. But maybe, maybe people stop picking him. He gets hurt every year, it seems like. Well, it's only it was only last year where he got really, really injury. Uh, he, got, he got a lot of injuries, and he's had some short ones, but I really think it's because of his workload. I think everybody talked about it. There was a season, that crazy season he had, where he literally had the best fantasy season of all time to date, even if you go back and track older stats. He played something like 99% of the snaps and only took off like two snaps until the last game of the year. So it, 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 when you play like that, you're going to get injured a lot. So I think they really need to start playing him less. And by the way, before he was even out in this game, Chuba Hubbard had two or three carries, which is already strange. So I think the Panthers, by drafting him in the fourth round, kind of knew that they might need to... Spell Saquon, I almost said Saquon, spell Christian McCaffrey, who's also injury prone, um, spell Christian McCaffrey some some downs here and there, and I think that's what the pick was for, and now it's going to be a little more useful as he'll actually be playing as the starter for a few weeks, uh, but I think their defense is good enough to hold it down that I, I honestly think one player can't make a team in the NFL, especially as a running back. Uh, McCaffrey is one of the unique guys that maybe could have that ability, uh, because he he does so much in the receiving game too as a running back, but overall I, I think I'm I'm gonna say that three and zero start is amazing for the Panthers. Uh, it's unexpected for sure. Maybe if you look at the schedule, it's not as unexpected as you might think. But they're a legit team. That defense is really good. This is not just playing bad teams. They 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 have a great defense. 
Uh, they shut down the Saints for a reason, too. Uh, so who knows what can happen in the rest of the season? Maybe maybe that hurts them for the next few weeks, but I, I don't think they are going to end up 5-0 and regardless, so I bet whoever they run into next week might have beaten them anyway, McCaffrey or not. Uh, but let's move on to the next thing. Uh, some surprising news, this time on the positive end. Diamondbacks manager Tori Lavolo has been extended through the 2022 season with a one-year option, team option, uh, during a season where the Diamondbacks have lost 104 games. You would say that's surprising. However, he did bring them to the playoffs a few years ago on a pretty good run, uh, and he is also a very, very well-respected guy around the league. You never heard anything bad about Tori Lavolo, and let's be honest, no manager could deal with what the Diamondbacks have had all season. They had a deficient roster to begin with when you compare them to the Padres, the Dodgers, and the Giants, who were the three best teams in their division. There would be an argument as to whether the Diamondbacks were even better than the Rockies to begin the year, and look, if you're already arguing about if they're fourth or fifth in their division, and maybe some people thought the Giants could be a little bit, could be in that range of the Diamondbacks uh, heading into the year, but obviously... The Giants, with their meteoric rise by the end of the season, will put that one to bed. Uh, but with those deficiencies and then with those injuries to the pitching staff, then you got to trade some guys away, because, namely Eduardo Escobar, because, well, you're not playing well enough to keep any of them. When you got all that going for you, I don't really think that was down to a manager. Uh, there's no manager who could have managed this team to probably over 70 wins. Uh, maybe some manager could avoid the 100-win season, or the 100-loss season, I should say. But, look, this team is not very good. Uh, and they've also even had some other injuries to some key players. And they, they just kind of had an unlucky start. And then every team in their division that's not that's not them has some great strength. The Padres and the Giants and the Dodgers, I should say, the best two records in the league. The Rockies have, like, a top-five home record in the league. So they have nothing to offer. And then, you know, the Padres need a punching bag to actually get some wins off of after they get swept by the Dodgers and the Giants. So somebody has to go beat up on Arizona. And pretty much everybody is. Uh, they've become the doormat of the NL West, and they're kind of just getting walked over. Yeah, but it's, it's good to see uh, some organizational stability in an organization that just doesn't have a knee-jerk reaction. We have to fire our manager. There's sometimes in circumstances, you don't fire the manager. It also sends a message to a young team. This guy's going to be around. Listen to him. So... Um, I, and I also would say I, I do agree with you. I don't like when teams – I wouldn't even call it a knee-jerk reaction. Teams just freak out, I think, is the best way to say it. It's really a panic. Uh, something goes slightly wrong and somebody has to go. Uh, no matter what it is, I think it's actually similar, not not as much, but similar to the Ravens, how even with, what, like 12 torn ACLs in the preseason – you didn't hear anything about their training staff, nothing nothing strange. They're not changing the turf on their practice field. They're just moving on and kind of going on with their season. They've done the same thing for the whole John Harbaugh era. They've won a Super Bowl because of it. They're going to keep doing what they're doing. Diamondback's not the same level of success with Tori Luola, but at the same time, you do like to see that stability, as you said. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to our next, uh, our next note, uh, moving over to college football news. The College Football Playoff Committee has decided not to vote on the idea of a possible 12-team playoff, which I did not back, although I did back, I, I do back an expanded playoff, but I think there's a happy medium right in between 4 and 12. It's called the number 8. It's a great number. Uh, you could do the same plan for 12 teams, except for just shrink it to 8 and make it a lot better, make it a lot easier, and really make everything make more sense, to be quite honest. Um, but I agree. I, I think I get why there was no vote on the 12-team playoff, but... 
They will not be giving it any further consideration uh, at the moment. Um, I don't think they're going to consider it that much in the future, to be quite honest, either. I think uh, you've heard you've heard Davo Sweeney, you've heard a bunch of coaches talk about the fact that why why do, does it have to be twelve? Can it just be eight? Can it be six? Can we keep it at four? I think four is the least common. I know there was actually I forget who did it, but I think there was a piece that actually surveyed players uh, on in some conferences that asked what's your what's your preferred playoff method. Four was the least popular next to twelve, but six and eight also had some praise for it. So I think everybody is in agreement that it should be six or eight, but Four is maybe too little. It's still interesting, but 12 is way too much. Yeah, there's just, as everybody knows, there's been a lot of upheaval in college football with Texas and Oklahoma uh, announcing they're going to the SEC and then the Big 12 adding teams. And then you've got uh, the current playoff television contract doesn't expire for several years. I think it's kind of, uh, they realize that without a major rejiggering um, and a lot of people getting on the same page who right now probably aren't on the same page because they've had some disagreements, they weren't going to get anything done. There's no urgency here. Deadlines tend to make things happen. So we'll keep keep a, keep an eye on that, but other college football news you want to get into. Travion Henderson ran for 277 yards and three touchdowns last week against Tulsa, breaking former two-time Heisman winner Archie Griffin's Ohio State freshman rushing record. Uh, surprised that Zeke wasn't on here anywhere either. Uh, maybe he was probably second or third on the list Splitting at some point. As a freshman. Yeah, that, that's also true. And, uh, you know, on the overall list, I believe he actually does have the record at Ohio State for the most in a single game, not by a freshman, but by any player there. So he, he definitely has his name there somewhere. Uh, and this game was actually third overall in Ohio State history too. But going into something uh, more about that team, they barely won that game, even with 277 yards and three touchdowns. We talked about it on our college football segment last time, but there are some teams across the country that have some figuring out to do. I think Ohio State's one of them. Oklahoma has been probably a little too close for comfort when you probably among the more level-headed fans there. Uh, I think Clemson would tell you that they're freaking out about how close they've been against teams like Georgia Tech, uh, which... Again, that shouldn't have been a close game at all. Yeah, lack of uh, offense. For they, can't, they, they did not score against Georgia at all, so that's another problem that they have. Really, they just don't have an offense right now, and uh, that's not what they expected. They The Trevor Lawrence transition went over beautifully when it happened, but the transition to DJ Uyungle has not happened that way, and uh, they have to figure it out soon because they're about to start conference play. A lot of people have them on upset alert even this weekend against NC State. I don't blame them. NC State has actually beaten Clemson in some of their better years, and a team that's very, very respectable and has led a very consistent program, I think it's probably the, has probably the best chance to beat Clemson because Clemson is in a very, very weak state right now. If Clemson played NC State last weekend, NC State would beat Clemson. But uh, I don't know how I got to Clemson from Ohio State. Talking but, about teams, talking about uh, high high flying teams at the beginning of the year whose fan bases are. Nervous and disappointed with their performance. Well, talk about a fan base who wasn't disappointed and uh, nervous after their performance last weekend and after firing their coach. Uh, USC quarterback Jackson Dart, who took over for Keaton Slovis mid-game against Washington State, will be having knee surgery on a torn meniscus. I don't know how long that will keep him out for. USC scored 45 points to beat Washington State 45-14 in that game after benching Slovis. Slovis scored none. He They were down... Uh, Jackson Dart came in, scored 45 points, led them to this victory. Pretty bad loss for USC, and uh, 
I don't think they'll be recovering from that because they also have, in a bad way, a head start of a loss against Stanford in conference that probably won't allow them to overcome that for uh, to end up winning that division and to end up in that conference championship game, especially without a quarterback. And by the way, it's probably pretty hard to, to be the starting quarterback after being benched in the middle of a game. I was just going to say, it'll be interesting to see how Slovis responds. I'll tell you a lot about the kid. And, I mean, what, it happened? It, it's happened to other quarterbacks there, too. I mean, JT Daniels was benched for Keenan Slovis, and he needed the change of scenery at Georgia to really get himself going again. I mean, the talent's still there for Slovis. The question is, how engaged are you when you know that your team does not believe in you to be that quarterback? Right. Uh, especially after you were given the job and you had that. They had so much belief in the past that they took away a Heisman favorite and put you in, in, the, in the starting job instead. Now he's on the number two team in the country, and here you are sitting on the bench. Now you're only active and playing because the starter got injured. So uh, it's an interesting situation there. All right. Well, that will wrap up this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please join us for our next podcast, which will be on Monday, September 27th, where we will see the accuracy of Patrick's weekend predictions and discuss all of the weekend's football action, both college and NFL. In the meantime, please be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his MLB power rankings, and his predictions for the entire college football and NFL seasons. You can check in on how those are doing. All of that on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.